0: Hey there, welcome back to Alaris Classroom, presented by Alaris North America. We promote international knowledge and skills circulation by matching global leaders with emerging market organizations, and
1: we are glad to have you today. Good morning from Boston and good evening from Singapore. Thanks for listening to Alaris Classroom. Today, we invite Derek Wong as our guest to share his journey in marketing field. As usual, let me read a little bit Derek's bio for everybody. Derek graduated from University of California, Irvine, with a Bachelor of Arts in Economics. After college, he worked in marketing in several big companies like Microsoft, Rise Game, and LinkedIn. He was also the founder and managing director of Luminate Career Consulting, which is a pro bono career coaching that inspires and mentors college students to pursue their dream career in january 2020 derek moved to singapore from silicon valley and joined the antler entrepreneurship program where he co-founded monoco a fintech startup that helped users save more effectively thank you derek to using evening time to having this podcast with us Uh, we really appreciate this opportunity that you can join us well um this is only a short bio about you i mean you can also Uh, adding more about yourself and letting our audience know better of you
0: absolutely thanks for the warm welcome and for the kind words it's a pleasure to be here and to spend the time with your listeners i'm excited to share more about my journey and to share some uh, wisdom or advice uh, if you could call it that with some of the listeners today
1: sure um i guess um I mean, Chelsea was my good friend, and she's the one connecting me with you, and then mentioned, and then mentioned you with working in the marketing field for six years. Which is um, for me, I'm graduated from University of Minnesota with a marketing diploma. Which is like I always trying to explore that field. So my, I guess my first question is gonna be: uh, You have worked in marketing for six years. Have you always wanted to do marketing?
0: That's a great question. I think it's a a perfect place to start. Early on in fourth grade, when I was in elementary school, I learned about marketing from a bring your parent to school presentation. My friend at the time, his dad worked in marketing, and I just found it so interesting. You could say that the tender age of 10, if not 11 years old, I just had a hunch that I wanted to start my career in marketing. I love the idea that it was a mixture of creativity, human behavior, psychology, and ability to influence change within a large organization whether it's a business an entrepreneurial venture a nonprofit, or beyond so I'd say I started pretty early I knew early on in fourth grade that I wanted to try marketing and I had plenty of opportunities through high school and university to really fine-tune that that space within marketing that I wanted to grow my career in
1: yeah definitely I mean uh I think I really resonate with you. It's because when I went to high school, I was hosting some of the event I'm try So what I trying to do is like promoting the event. And from that step point, it makes me realize, hmm, this is gonna be something fun, like later remote, uh, promote other events or um, letting people to know about a service or product. So that's, I think that's the reason why when I went to college, I choose marketing as my major. Um, Yeah, so since you've been working in the marketing field for six years, what do you like about working in the marketing?
0: Certainly, yeah. Marketing is a really diverse field, and there's tons of different types of roles and career paths that you can have within it. Uh, I've been fortunate to have tried many different Pieces of the puzzle, and I figured out what is my favorite part of that puzzle. So, going through my university days, you know, having internships in small startups where you're an unpaid social media intern, to learning more about the advertising industry and helping clients like Toyota, you know, develop ad campaigns. There are so many different skill sets and areas that you can plug in as a professional. Uh, for myself, I realized that I love that mixture of doing cool marketing campaigns that people love that the world can see, but also love the idea of influencing the product roadmap of deciding, helping to decide what the company should do next. I think that was a A piece that I really wanted to to learn as part of my professional development. So the space that I found myself in for the past few years, uh, actually where I started my career and eventually returned is in product marketing management. So product marketing is a unique space where it's a combination of product management, which is a a very, very uh, popular field these days where you help build the right sort of software features and products, uh, but also combines marketing and of course management. So uh, for myself, I've been able to hone my career, building different skills within marketing, product, as well as management being in this career path.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think when you mentioned about campaign, the advertising campaign, I think my next question for you is actually an don't question. What is your favorite, um, commercial campaign like recently you've been watching a lot of stuff i bet so i just wonder
0: yeah that's a great question in a, in a funny way as a someone that works in the field i learned to have a strong distaste for for ads that are poorly poorly done but i think uh, i'm just trying to jog my brain i've been try- actually trying to cut out as many commercials as i can i think one that's come to mind quite recently is in watching you know the basketball ads uh, excuse me watching the the NBA season Mm -hmm. that just turned back on. I was really impressed by the type of promotional campaigns that they've been able to combine both, hey, the basketball game is back, but also combining with social justice and the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm very, very impressed by how the organization is able to rally behind that message and create really powerful creative, whether it's having basketball players uh both black white and every and the between people in the industry uh fans all unite under this message to show that you know black lives really do matter and i think you know having watched that commercial even this morning i was very very um, humbled and very touched by that ad and it's been a while since i've had such resonance with the campaign
1: yeah definitely um we've been seeing a lot of good commercial or even like a charity commercial um recently about those like movement it's really amazing i would say so um yeah i guess my next question for you is uh as you know a little bit background about me like i graduated from the marketing um major from the university of minnesota so for you as a co-founder for the company uh people who are interested in this field or studying in the marketing uh, at the university do you have any advice on how to start a career in the marketing
0: sure yeah yeah that's a, a a big question with a lot of pieces you know how do you start a career in marketing and i would first start with the why you know really understanding why do you want to do marketing is it because you like creativity is it because you like social media is it because you love the idea of helping to grow a brand. Uh, you love the idea of brands. So I think it's there's so many different reasons why people like the idea of marketing. So I'd first hone in on why, right? And then identify what particular field within marketing that you're drawn to. Is it advertising? Is it email marketing? Is it research? Marketing research is a really huge, important field. Or is it data science, uh, that, that more analytical side of marketing that has so much measurement analytics i've met actually a handful of people from university of minnesota in my career that you know, i would became very close business partners with at work because mm-hmm. you know marketing works very closely with data science and as the industry evolves it's important to think about not just i like social media instagram ads and instagram stories today that's my career path but also think about where do you see yourself long term
1: yeah and then
0: the next piece of advice within that would be figure out what do you find easy that other people find hard. I think that's a really, really powerful question that is seldom asked. And it's a piece of wisdom that I got from another podcast that I listened to the Tim Ferriss podcast. And it's just a really powerful question to help you refine Hey, you might like a particular thing, but if you actually like something, but it's very hard. For example, I love beautiful design, but I'm absolutely terrible at design. So mm-hmm. for me, I knew that I could have an appreciation for design and work with designers. But as long as I know that my job is not to you know, draw a particular illustration or to make the actual ad. Uh, So I think that's another element that needs to be, you know, considered as you think about a career in marketing. And then the last piece of advice is a three-part piece of advice that is more actionable for our listeners, and this is something that I asked one of the professors at my university before I graduated, and it was a really strange experience because I kind of sent a cold email to uh, basically the dean's professor, so one of the more senior uh, professors at the business school, and he was an MBA professor. Mm-hmm. So as an undergrad student, being able to get some time with you know a very senior um, academic leader was uh, quite a privilege. So I came in, you know, really prepared, really polished. I think I tucked my tucked my shirt in, and you know. <laughs> Was like extra early uh, to try and impress this professor, and I asked him that same question you know, like, what can I do to very, very much accelerate my career in the marketing space? And he was an Indian gentleman, and he had a very uh, wise and thoughtful, methodical way of answering questions. He would pause and almost just gaze off into the distance and think almost in a way of how Yoda in the Star Wars series (laughs) wisely contemplates this answer and that kind of cryptically unpacks it. But I still remember he says it's it's in three different ways. You have to do it in three steps. First, you have to read. You have to read first, you have Mm -hmm. to understand. You have to understand the world of marketing. You have to understand what is the basic theories, right? You know, there's different types of reading, right? You recommended both popular press books, the books that you'll see at at bookstores, right, or on Amazon, bestsellers, right? Uh, It also includes magazines, right? Hey, what is the, you know, Fast Company? It's a great magazine. You know, it's filling your brain with different types of marketing materials as well as academic pieces, right? Is it uh, Harvard Business Review, uh, Harvard Business Journal? Is it The Economist? Mm -hmm. Is it... know, academic journals, like marketing research journal, um, that are almost like an analysis and studies. So you need to build this foundation of understanding marketing and just the rules of physics, right? So if you take science as a background, it's like, you can't be a great scientist unless you understand how gravity works, how chemistry works, right? So this is building that foundation. And the next step therein is to think, think about marketing. It's the next time you're at a coffee shop, really try and dissect and understand what is actually going around you. This Starbucks cup that they give you that has this you know green, green iconography.
1: Yeah. Right? <clears throat>
0: it's like, As you leave the store, everyone knows that that cup is from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. It is in itself a statement. Uh, understand why they do it the way they do. Uh, so that's a really obvious example. But perhaps take a more business case example. Hey, you know you're at a a local coffee shop. Mm-hmm. and they're not nearly as busy or popular as starbucks can you start thinking about why that is what is the difference between their brand what is the difference in the idea that both of these companies embody in your mind uh, what is the difference in the space right so it's almost being able to dissect the world around you from a marketing lens who is this for why was it designed this way how do people think about it how would you change it how would you increase the number of people here if you wanted to make a coffee shop a more popular study spot for students like yourself, Mm -hmm. how would you go about doing that? And the last piece to the puzzle was doing, doing the marketing itself. You mentioned, you know, uh, publicizing events on campus, Mm -hmm. whether it's a, a student panel or a fraternity party, right? There's so many different opportunities for you to do the actual marketing to apply yourself to make mistakes on somebody else's budget, because that's what experience is, after all. It's learning from the mistakes you make along the way. right? So the last piece, again, is combining all the things that you've learned, all the things that you've thought about, and applying it. Because marketing, compared to many, many different fields, you can never really learn it in a classroom. You just have to do it. And that's, I think, the most important part, is gathering different experiences, whether it's in internships, starting your own, freelancing business, or just offering help to folks that don't come from a business background. Perhaps it's someone from a, a, a science major who is trying to you know, publicize, make a website, and they have no idea how to do that. So I think there's plenty of opportunities to get applied experience in the marketing world. I think those pieces together will help you break into the industry.
1: Thank you. I, I really love this answer because it definitely makes me Thinking about those past four years that for my undergrads, um, the academic life because being a marketing major student, like we are doing the case study all the time. But you know, the case study is always about like big companies like uh Disneyland or some of the other like even the Starbucks he mentioned. Like we did a lot of case study about it. But actually when we dive into our real life, like how many other businesses actually also need to have a fine marketing. Like how can we help them to achieve the success point for them? It's also something we, sh- we all should thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So actually, um, the next question for you is going to be, uh, what are some of the criteria you're looking for when you're hiring a marketing intern or a full-time employee for Monaco? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a, a very suitable question for right now, as we, our company is very early stage. Uh, we recently closed our pre-seed round uh, a few months ago. We had an opportunity to bring on a really wonderful summer intern, and he was my partner in crime uh, that I spoke to every single day this past summer. It was mm-hmm. a tremendous experience. And you know, over the past few days, as you know, so the internship just wrapped up for our summer intern. And I was just reflecting on, you know, wow, there was quite a few candidates that applied, and you know, why did I end up choosing this person? You know, and as we start thinking about growing our team and hiring more designers and engineers, you know, uh, it's it's amazing being able to be in this position to actually hire people to join your company. And both my co-founder and I, first one principle is having a sense of humor. I think that's actually a a, a, a very much overlooked part of the the your identity mm-hmm. because at the end of the day you're hiring a human being you're not just hiring a robot that can analyze numbers and provide outputs you're going to be working with someone for long hours right
1: yeah uh, normally it
0: would be in the same office but in these questionable times we'll, we'll remove that uh, assumption uh, another aspect that's a little more uh, i guess tangible is you know are they accountable right can you trust this person to do the job because right, that's the end of the day that the most important currency is trust. Right? If you give this person a certain task, can you trust them to do it and to do it well without your guidance along the way? That if I don't bug them for an hour or 24 hours, do I expect them to move this, this project along without a lot of supervision? Right. So I think that level of trust is, is super duper important. Uh, and I think the last piece is, you know, do they have a strong point of view? So I think in the business world we like to say strong opinions gently held. And I think that's something that you know benefit, businesses can benefit tremendously is from people that have perspectives, they have opinions, and they're willing to share those opinions. And I think that's a an a- element of my own career that you know I thought was something that made me stand out especially in my first few uh, roles was you know, I was always open to speak my mind because I genuinely really loved you know the video game industry and I had a lot of personal opinions about <laughs> almost everything and mm-hmm. making sure that you can speak up And I think that's something that is an overlooked part of the recruiting process or from a candidacy perspective is you know students think, oh yeah I'm I have this, such good grades I have you know mm, this module that I've, excuse me, that's the Singapore word for it. I've taken this particular class. Yeah. I have a, I've done one internship. Why did I not you know get this role when I interviewed and people don't do enough critical analysis of communication styles and public speaking. If you're not easily understood, that's a significant barrier for both yourself as well as your manager, everyone that works with you. I think it's a really important Really, really important priority to always improve your communication style, and to to ask feedback from people. You know, this doesn't mean, "Hey, boss, what can I do better?" Because you're not going to get good feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's being able to ask close friends, like, "Hey, you know, what do you think I can do better?" Right? Yeah. Do definitely. I do I say any words called crutch words? Do I say um mm, uh, like all the time?
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Oh yeah, you actually do. You say okay all the time, or you always end your answers with a lilt like okay and then i'm going to talk about like this right those those are all things that diminish trust or make you a less effective uh, communicator so i think i guess that weaves to my very last point is being able to ask and take feedback because in the, the day you're trying to improve as a professional you improve by feedback right your parents give you feedback sometimes if you're lucky your coach or your teacher might give you feedback but most of the time you're some you get grades and grades are the only sort of you know almost like a binary type of feedback you either get it right or you get it wrong you get a certain number of things right so you get a certain grade and that's it mm-hmm. uh, but feedback and being able to find feedback both from yourself and from others so that's one thing I really loved about. Uh, my intern this summer is, you know, whenever we would be contemplating a different creative tactic or a campaign or the writing for a certain ad, he would, you know, share the ad with some of his friends just to get a pulse check, right? Seeking out feedback, right? Or asking, hey, you know, I, I, I made this first pass at a video. What do you think, right? And be open to essentially get torn down, right? And then you can build yourself back up and, you know, improve as a professional and as a marketer.
1: Yeah, definitely. I actually, um, during the summer, some of my other friends are doing like marketing intern during the whole summer. And I heard a lot of like, they are kind of like having a little bit super ego when they step into the field because past the four year, they've been in the marketing major. They're learning a lot of like the theories of the marketing, you know, like they're, they feel like, Oh, I'm from the book to the real life. So whatever I'm saying, that's from textbook. That's going to be right. However, the, the reality life is, Marketing it really depends on where you marketing and also depends on what product are you marketing for, which is like it's always changing or different like modeling it's it's always different. So when they hear some negative feedback, they always feel so frustration or like just frustrating about it. And when they come to me asking about my opinion, I always telling them like. Of course, you like to hear when people saying, yeah, you did a good job. This is this project look amazing. And you're going to be happy with it. But however, let's like thinking about it. If you just keep listening those positive comments, what's going to happen? Basically, you're just going to stop there. You won't, to, you won't just like improve yourself anymore. Sometimes some of the feedback might be a little bit hurtful, but that's how you grow. I definitely think like that way.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely right. Very, yeah. very true.
1: So uh, when you switch to marketing uh, in your own startup, uh, how does that differ from your marketing in a large company? This is my personal curious question, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, it's almost what's even the same. It's like a completely different world. Uh, I've been really privileged and really thankful to have worked at very large and very loved Consumer brands. I began my career at Xbox during a year when we're launching a new console. Where, you know, when your product's about to launch, people camp out for two to three days outside just waiting for your product because they love your product, they love your brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And my second role, uh, second job at uh, Riot Games. know i worked on league of legends which is one of the world's most popular video games Mm -hmm. you know the moment you post anything uh, it's it's any sort of you know uh campaign asset you immediately get hundreds of thousands of likes on facebook it's like wow you know you almost get jaded or desensitized by how popular you are Mm -hmm. or your biggest problem isn't oh i hope this performs well it's I hope people don't leak it because we know as soon as somebody sees it, it's going to go viral. Right? Yeah. It's a completely different set of problems than what you're trying to solve for in a startup environment. You know, The budgets are super tiny in a startup. You have to be mindful about every cent that you're spending. You have to think about every day, you know, am I spending my time in a way that helps advance this business? Am I getting the most bang for my buck for every hour that I spend doing this or should I be doing that? Uh, you don't have the privilege of established processes. You know, if you're trying to do a blog post or you're trying to reach out to influencers, you have to figure out all of that, document it and find ways to speed it up in the future versus in a large company environment, there's you know, your digital email team you have your analytics team you have your influencer manager team right and all you do is spin up a few emails maybe do a kickoff meeting if people aren't checking their emails right and you basically delegate and as a this is both, you know, a function of my role and the large company. Is you there's a process in place. People have specific jobs, right? And your job is, and my job in, within this larger schema is to ensure that everything moves smoothly, mm-hmm. on time, and that other people do not dedicate too much of their time towards me because they have other people to help. Yeah. but The goal is to get the job done within a certain period of time. So I think the difference between, I think the oversim, in, in, to oversimplify the big difference between the marketing experience at a large company and a small startup is process, yeah. right? The process doesn't exist both from a people process or a functional process at a startup. So you have to do all of it or design it every time versus at a large company, the process is there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, since you mentioned you worked for Microsoft, LinkedIn, and even like a ride game. So I guess, um, I want you to share a little bit uh, journey from your like uh, emotion journey and your personal life journey. Like, how did you decide to quit your job and start your own business? Like, I know a lot of people like I've been talking to, they are currently working for Microsoft or Facebook. You know, all of them, they are actually at their sweet spot right now and they are having the amazing benefit and everything so they just like no I'm not gonna quit my job I'm just gonna stay here not until the day they fire me you know so I just wonder like um how did you decide like quit your job and yeah start your own business
0: yeah yeah it's a great question and this is something that my friends ask me uh, quite often or when I catch up with friends that were you know, I'd say surprised that I made such a big shift uh, you can mm-hmm. say taking a career risk you can say you know just taking a giant pay cut you know all of these things are accurate assessments but uh, fundamentally it comes down to what sort of human beings do you want to be on this world right I think that's the biggest yeah. fundamental question beyond what is your job title what company do you want to work at uh, for myself having worked at good like it's even great companies with amazing benefits, you know, extremely competitive, you know, compensation, you know, life was good. Life was a little too good. It was a little mm-hmm. too easy. Not in a sense where everything is groovy and perfect. You know, I had some you know, very, very disagreeable managers that made me want to quit. Right. So that's part of it. It's like, mm, there's certain things along the way that made you realize, Hey, I'm not getting what I want out of my life right now. Uh, For myself, I was a little bit, I felt a little bit stuck. I was back in my hometown. I grew up in the Silicon Valley, which by itself is kind of a cool thing. Uh, You know, I moved back home to spend time with my parents for a year. Mm -hmm. That meant I was 10 minutes away from the office, but it also meant I didn't have to pay rent. So it's a great thing where it's, oh my gosh, you're saving all this money. (laughs) Uh, LinkedIn is famous for their free food and their great gyms and all their benefits. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing was like, I wasn't doing any work. I wasn't doing work that was satisfying or fulfilling. You know, I was working Mm -hmm. in the, the data trust privacy space, which is a very important field. But for myself, I knew that that wasn't the reason I went to LinkedIn. I went to LinkedIn to work on the careers team to help people get the right opportunities and get jobs at scale that's why I left the video game industry, an industry that I have huge personal love and passion for. Uh, so, you know, number things don't go perfectly to plan. But for myself, I told myself that I wanted to move to Asia for a very long time. I wanted to work at Microsoft Singapore, Riot Hong Kong, you know, LinkedIn in Singapore for many, many years. But every time I don't think I was willing to give up the fancy paycheck. I was like, well, you know, I could move to Asia, but, you know, things are pretty good in, in America. I mean, things are pretty good at the HQ office, right? Yeah. So for me, I didn't realize that uh, the reason why I had such a – I realized I had to take decisive action is I saw all my friends around me were starting to get settled down. You know, it's like, oh, they're in these good jobs. They found a significant other, and they're mm-hmm. getting ready to think about, you know, Buying a house or starting a family, and for me, I realized that those are, you know, many of those things are aspects of my life that I want. But I also knew that this this opportunity to move overseas and to do a startup, which is something I wanted to do since high school, mm-hmm. these have been on my mind for so long, and I felt they were almost like I have to do these before my life slows down because you know being being able to basically move across the world to another country. Be able to be a startup founder and you know not have stable income. Those get a lot. Those 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 are big risks in it of themselves. But they're magnified exponentially when you have dependents, when you have family, when you have you know parents that need medical help, when you have other deep responsibilities. Uh, and for myself, I count myself as very privileged that my parents are you know doing well. I have a brother and sister who are you know very close by to my parents. So mm-hmm. it's almost like hey, you know this is the perhaps the only window of my life where I can make decisions, the right decision for myself without, you know, without a lot of long lasting consequences, that this, I was doing these risks responsibly, that I was able to say, you know what, because I've lived at home for this past year, because I've been really savvy with my, uh, with my spending and my investments over the past few years, that I can live off of my, like a very like a much smaller salary and do a startup without significant risk and it's very much a choice right like i was considering getting a tesla or going to business school or buying a house and i soon realized wow these are all massive massive purchases right A yeah. house in the bay area is a million dollars over the next 30 years mm-hmm. the mba uh, uh, master's degree is at least a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars and two years of your life for myself i also have asked the question what would i want to do with an mba i'd probably want to do a startup or do some sort of technology job somewhere in asia and that's when i realized i can do these things that i really want because i know i knew why i was I knew what I wanted to do and why. So why would I, you know, take these, take the longer path when I can just make the decisive move now? So it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty quick decision. I left my last role in August 2019. Um, my original plan was to travel for a few months and then mm-hmm. go right back to the Bay Area, uh, work at a startup instead of, you know, working at these really big companies, you know, trying to get a little different experience and more responsibility. But it's during this time where I, I called it my gap hoarder when I was traveling across Asia, I realized this is actually where I want to be. Uh, yeah. I think the market is growing a lot faster. There's tons of opportunities here. And uh, as an Asian American, uh, Chinese American, it's it's fascinating to be able to 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 reconcile myself within my culture and to be able to see the world for what it is.
1: Yeah, definitely. I really admire what you did is because like, I see a lot of people like what I mentioned, they had a great job. They just don't want to challenge themselves anymore. And for me, I guess my personality is like, keep challenging myself. That's the reason why when I was 18 years old, I moved to Minnesota by myself. And just because for college and later I like figure out step by step and keep challenging myself um so yeah i know that you always have some other side gig like pro bono consulting for the students and creating your own podcast you mentioned that earlier uh could you share more on those like what triggered those initiative and what do you think are some advantage of having those side gig
0: yeah yeah that's that's a a lovely topic to dive deeper into for myself i always I think it's perhaps it's because I'm the middle child. I always believe in this this sense of equilibrium or be riding the middle path. And the middle path does not mean the easy path. It means you balance a number of things uh, appropriately. So you have your career, but I soon realized if you only have your career, you're not a very interesting person. So for myself, I started, you know, again the, the same time. But I was thinking about what do I want to be uh, as a college student? Um, you know, preparing for my interviews. You asked. You do these interview preparation questions, mm-hmm. you know, like, what are you interested? In? What are you passionate about? What sort of life do you want to have? And then the the deeper cutting questions like, you know, um, who is going to give your eulogy when you die and what are they going to say, mm-hmm. right? So these like deep, deep questions really made me think, what sort of life do I want to have? What do I care about? So at every stage of my life, I've always done at least one type of volunteer work. So that's something that I care deeply about. Uh, I always believe in, you know, maintaining a certain level of fitness, right? So uh, at least one type of so working out at the gym is one, but then one other physical related hobby as well. And then one last like interest group. So some sort of community building, whether it's my own community or taking part of another community. So through the years, you know, it's been a pleasure to you know learn salsa, become a bow hunter or, mm-hmm. you know, do a podcast or, you know, start the you know, Asian Asian employee group at, at LinkedIn, you know, so there's always these different avenues within your life that I find a lot of meaning in mm-hmm. because in the day your job is, you know, quote unquote, just a job. It is a very important thing. It is a big sense of identity, but it's not your entire life. And that's when I says, Hey, in order to live a, a more fulfilling life, I want to fill it with enriching experiences that give me uh, mastery of a certain skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that help me exercise and keep my, both my mind and my body sharp and to be able to pursue things that I care about, whether it's Asian, Asian-American rights in America
1: yeah. or
0: helping people achieve their career goals. These are all elements that I try to balance within my life.
1: Yeah, I guess um, my last question for you is actually not really, re- really related with our topic today. So let's mm-hmm. say if you don't do marketing anymore if you don't do if you're not no longer a podcast hoster anymore mm-hmm. what is your most idealistic lifestyle or, or job for you let's say not marketing not podcast hoster mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah there's a few uh, i'll give you three you know alternate life i'll, t- I'll call them life odysseys i mm-hmm. think you know, in the book designing your life um, i forgot the name of the author it always starts with the uh, the b it is Bill Burnett. I always say, yeah, Bill Burnett in that book, it's super duper wonderful. They act, challenge you with these uh, thought exercises of, you know, what would you imagine your you know, other dream careers to be? Right? Yeah. So one of them would be, uh, I've always loved teaching. Uh, people say that I have a, a good voice for teaching. Uh, I would love to you know, be a associate professor or a, a lecturer at a university or mm-hmm. be a traveling lecturer that would be one life life path that i think would give my uh, would be full of meaning and be able to inspire and shape the lives of you know the next generation so that's one yeah another one would be you know creating a very it's almost like a concept type of coffee shop that's you know, i love coffee mm-hmm. i I've dabbled and taken too many, you know, pour over classes and such. But uh, I think it'd be really cool to make it a a sort of like community space that is both a place to get really good coffee, but also a place to give and get help, a place for mentorship. That's something that I think would be incredible. And the last piece is a little bit more uh, kind of trivial and out there. It's, you know, recently I've really contemplated that why are we doing what we're doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing a startup? Why do you work so hard? What sort of life? What's the end game? Right? And for me, part of me is like, oh, like you don't need to necessarily have a, a like, multi-million dollar penthouse uh, apartment in the city, a condo in the city, mm-hmm. nor a huge mansion in the countryside. Now, there's, there could be a simpler equation. Perhaps it's you move to, say, rural Japan, and, you know, just have a, a a chicken and pork katsu restaurant. And you just have yeah. a little farm and you grow your all your own vegetables. You have a few, you know, livestock. And then you have a whole bunch of Shiba Inus because I absolutely mm-hmm. love Shiba Inus. Yeah. And you make it like a like a dog cafe, but you have like really delicious you know, pork katsu. Uh, so that's like a random, you know, if I didn't do what I'm doing right now, or maybe that's my retirement plan. So I think I've visualized it very clearly in my own mind.
1: Yeah, I really like your three future career paths. It all sounds really fun and I'm even more looking forward to the last one, the mm-hmm. the Shiba Cafe and also like, oh my god, yeah. this is something like I've been thinking for myself too like mm-hmm. I'm only in my mid of twenty, what I wanna do for my future and you know, growing up in China as a in a traditional family home people always keep telling you, oh, you're, in you know, middle 20 something, you need to start thinking about settle down. However, I think I'm not even take off yet. How can I just settle down? That's a question I've been asking myself. So yeah, definitely. I mean, all those answers that you give it to me is really inspiring. And truly a lot of answer is like a mentor style answer. I really appreciate for it. And I really appreciate your time for today.
0: Of course. Yeah. Thanks for uh, giving me the time and a chance to share some of my thoughts. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm excited to to share more in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Derek. And uh, let's touch base soon. Bye.
0: Yeah. Take care. Bye bye.